Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. I'm going to be in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 3 today. If you want to grab a paper Bible or we'll have scripture up on the screen. As you're getting there, I want to confess something to you. I love a clean kitchen sink. How many else? How many other people? Yeah. Yeah, there's a whole group of us. Praise the Lord. There's something about, at least for me, seeing a dirty sink and then cleaning and then walking away knowing because you can see it, a job well done. And so my wife does great at this too. This is not a complaint about my wife. She's lovely, right? But it's just something for me about that. And so uh, last week, I, before going to bed, cleaned the sink, put all the dishes away. The sink was pristine. Therefore, I could relax. Went to bed, woke up the next morning, and there were dirty dishes in the sink. I have two boys. I love my boys. Uh, But in that moment, because... I had a bunch going on in the day, and it's not like I stop at the sink every time I do something. I'm not, like, weird. But I passed by the sink, and I looked down, and I'm like, there's there's dirty dish. I cleaned that last night. What's going on? And I thought, oh, well, the dishwasher might be full. So I opened up the dishwasher, and this is what I saw. (laughs) It looks like we could fit a couple more dishes in that. And so in that moment, I didn't yell, but in that moment, I was like, man, I've got a huge busy day. Am I the only person that can take a dirty dish from this to 18 inches away to the dishwasher? Has anybody ever said that out loud? Yes, many of us. I was overwhelmed at something that I just had to take a minute on. Now, maybe it's not the dishwasher for you that pushes you into that sort of overwhelmed realm. Maybe it's Maybe it's clothes on the floor. You know, maybe it's something that happens at work. Maybe it's some mechanical issue with the car. But there's times at which, because our lives are complicated, that one additional thing will just make you overwhelmed. Yes? Oh, somebody said, oh, yeah. Well, what about in our spiritual lives? Have you ever been at a church service, maybe Pastor Mark, our lead pastor, is teaching on a weekend, and you hear something from him, and you're just encouraged, and maybe you're even convicted, and you're like, man, I need to do that in my life. And then later in the day, you're like, how am I going to do that thing that I heard about, or maybe you read about in Scripture? How am I going to fit that in my day? And it can become overwhelming. Anybody ever thought of that? Give me an example in my own life. This was uh, quite some time ago. My wife and I uh, were going to uh, another great church, and they did a series on the dying, it wasn't the series title, but it was like the dying needs of the world. And so we would, we would go and we would hear a great message and uh, the pastor would talk about like, oh, in Biafra, we, we, the, they need food. And then the next week it'd be like, oh, this is happening in our city and they need, and every time we would come home because my wife is super compassionate, she would listen to the message and be like super convicted. And she's like, Steve, we gotta go do that. We gotta go to Africa. We gotta go to that so we gotta go to this. And in my brain, I'm thinking, I got a job. Like my life is big. We cannot do all these things. And just being honest, I was overwhelmed in that season 
even though all those things were good. You know, when, when, when Jesus shares that we should be doing some things, it's not optional, just to clarify. Look, look at this, Matthew 28, Jesus shares this. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. As followers of Jesus, we should, we are called, each individual, we should be sharing the good news of Jesus with the people that we know that don't know Jesus. It's just something that we should be doing. Paul writes this. He says, so don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord uh, of me as a prisoner. Rather, look at this, join me in suffering for the gospel. As Christians, Paul would say that even doing the things that Jesus tells us to do is going to create some suffering. That can feel, I'm just being transparent for me, sometimes that's overwhelming. Yet John 15, Jesus clarifies this. He says, you didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. We're supposed to live a life that bears the fruit of God because we're doing the stuff that Jesus tells us to do. Wouldn't it be great if we could live a life of doing the things that Jesus tells us to do, to live a life full of fruit and not be overwhelmed? You guys. Wouldn't it be great in the complexity of life if we could we could do the things that Jesus tells us to do, get all our other stuff to, and not be overwhelmed? So, so I know all of us, right? But really, that's what Jesus calls us to do. And I think we can, I think we can do it. So hold that thought. We're in a series called But God. And in this series, we're looking at accounts in Scripture where there's a mess, a challenge, people are struggling. And in Scripture, there's like many times there's this comma, but God. And God steps into that situation and turns it around, and it's amazing. And so today, I specifically want to look at a but God Scripture that would help us lead a life full of fruit, doing the things that Jesus would tell us to do, yet not be overwhelmed at it. Now, the things I'm going to share, you could apply them to your work life, your family life, whatever, but I specifically want to key into the things in our spiritual lives, doing those things, doing the things that would bear the fruit of Jesus in our lives. Because here's, here's what happens in my life and other people's lives that I talk to. When life gets complex and crazy and hard, sometimes the first things that we drop off our lists are the things that Scripture would say we need to do. And that's not good. Because these things are the things that give life, that bring restoration and healing and last forever. And so I want to do these things and not be overwhelmed. So we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Before I get into the scripture, I need to give you a little bit of background. Paul lived in, for a short period of time, this community of Corinth. It was like a city. He lived there for about a year, year and a half. He was a tent maker, so he was working during the day, and on the weekends, he would preach in the synagogue. 
he was working really hard to plant this church to share the good news of Jesus. And then he moves away and he starts hearing from the church that they're arguing. And it's this weird argument. And so Paul realized, I got to write him back. And the argument is essentially this. The church is arguing, who's the greater person? Is it Paul? Or is it this other guy? His name was Apollos. They're, they're arguing like, Paul's amazing. He's the guy who led me to Christ. I'm going to follow him. He's whatever he says. They're lifting Paul up to this really high position. Other people are like, no, it's Apollos. And Paul realizes this is a mess. And he writes this in 1 Corinthians 3. He says, you're still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Paulus, are you not merely human beings? He's trying to tell them, you're arguing at such a level that's ridiculous. You've lifted me up, and that is so wrong. And he clarifies as we go on. This is the teaching text. In verse 5, he says this. What, after all, is Apollos? What is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. In that text, I'm learning two things about living a life that's full of fruit without being overwhelmed. I want to share those, but before I do, let me pray. So, Father, I pray that you would open our hearts, our minds, our ears to what you would have us to learn today. Speak to each one of us uniquely. There's so many people, God, who are overwhelmed, and so I I specifically pray for those who are overwhelmed that you would deeply be open to what the Lord says. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Here's what I see. I can be fruitful and not overwhelmed when, you can write this in, when I engage in my specific task. When I engage in my specific task. Paul clarifies to the church when he writes them, he clarifies this. He says, who's Apollos? Who's Paul? And he says, the Lord has assigned to each his task. He's clarifying, no, I I just did my job. This is Paul. If there was anybody who could have said, I killed myself over planting this church. Literally, I, I worked day and night. I was the guy. It would have been Paul, but Paul instead clarifies, no, 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 no. I just did my part. I was just one part of a bigger thing. I want to make that relevant to an account that just happened, just become aware of here at the church. This last week, we started uh, men's groups called Better Men Groups. And on Tuesday morning, I was in this group. There's a group of guys, probably 12 of us in there. We, we didn't know each other really well. And so here at the church, if you're in a group, we don't know anyone. Uh, we asked, share your name, how long you've been at the vineyard. And so Ed Moore is in this group. I know a little bit about Ed. This is Ed and his wife, Linda. Ed Moore was in there, and he he described, hey, I'm Ed Moore. I've been here for about six years. And he added something at the end of it that caught my attention. 
He said, my wife and I are here because of my five. Many of you probably don't even remember this. But about five or six years ago, we asked the congregation, asked everybody to take a card that looks like this and to pray about five names of people who didn't know Jesus, didn't have a home church, pray about and write their names on this card and pray for those names. And then if an opportunity opened up to actually invite them to church. So a lady by the name of Stacy gets that job, that task. And she puts on there Linda Moore as one of the names. And she's praying for Linda, makes an invitation to Linda. And Linda and Ed then end up coming to church. And they've been at church for the last five or six years. They've gotten super involved. I would argue their lives have been changed because of what Jesus has done through them. And now they're, they're doing great. Because Stacy did her part. Wouldn't it be different if we ask Stacy, here's what we're going to do. We're going to launch my five. And Stacy, I want you to do the same thing, names, pray over them, invite. But when Ed and Linda come, we need you to be at the front door to open it for them. And when they get here, you need to usher them to their seats. When they get to their seats, come up on stage, grab an instrument, start playing during worship. After worship, come, grab the microphone, give a message. And then when they leave, Stacy, if you could follow up with them because they need follow-up, do you think Stacy would have said, sure, I'll do all those things? No. But Stacy did her part, and God did something great. Do you get that? Going back to the account, Paul's trying to share in his letter that he was just doing his task. Just doing my part. He realizes that he's a co-worker in the kingdom of God, which is what it says in 1 Corinthians 3. For we're co-workers in God's service. And we, when we come together as co-workers in a community that's moving towards the common good, great things can happen. But many times, if I think that someone's salvation, restoration, renewal, marriage fix is completely dependent on me, I end up, after hearing all of the problems, say, no way do I want to take that on. Or if I get into it and think it's all on me, I'll just quit. Because, look at this, Romans 12, 4, we should just do a part for just as each one of one of us has one body with many members. These members don't have all the same functions. We have different gifts. We shouldn't do everything because each one of you, God has buried inside of you a unique gift. I don't know what that is, but there's something uniquely gifted that God has given you that you can express in a community towards the common good, and that community needs that part. I can't do what you do. Paul writes it this way, the one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose. So here's a, a, a challenge, a thought. You can write this down. I don't need to do everything, but I should do my part. I, you don't need to do everything. Go back to the dirty dishes. This week, my wife and I were talking about the dirty dishes. I was not complaining but my wife said something, and she said this numerous occasions across the 26 years that we've been married. She said, why, why don't you just let me take care of the dishes? 
just don't worry about it. Let me, and, and I think she said something, maybe not perfectly. Why don't you let me do my part? And because I was putting this message to the, together, it captured me differently. And I, I was like, okay. And so last night, when I passed the kitchen on the way to church and it was full of dishes, I'm good. Like, I, I'm good. This morning, I passed the kitchen. There's a little bit of food. This is not a complete, it's way different if I tell my wife, Ann, this is your job, you do it, she'd punch me. <laughs> way different than saying, there's a little bit of food and two, uh, two spoons in this. I'm good. I am not overwhelmed because I know someone else has their part. I don't need to steal that. She's got it. I'm good. Praise God. (laughs) Some of you, when you think about doing your part with the gifts that God has given you, some of you are doing great at this. You're involved in teams. You're you're super engaged. You're sharing Jesus. That's amazing. But I wonder if there's somebody here today or even listening online where you know that you have a gift, but it is not part of a community that is moving towards the common good, and, and it's just encouragement. Jump in. We have 70 teams here at the church. There's likely a team that matches your gift mix. If you like fixing cars, we have a car fixing team. If you like cleaning the dishes, man, we got a kitchen team. Like, there's so many teams, and none of our teams are full. We don't say that because we're in deep need. We say that because your gift can be expressed as we move forward to make an impact in this community, and it would make a difference. So I want you to think about this. You can write it down. What is my part? What is my part? I don't know what it is for you. But it's important. And so I'd love if you could pray for that this week. If you feel moved today to serve, but you don't know where to serve, you can fill out on the little orange connect card. Just put your name and put serve on it. Drop it in one of the offering boxes. We'll follow up with you. We'll help you find where you might be able to get plugged in. But the city of South Bend, Elkhart, Mishawaka, name the Bremen, name the communities that we're a part of. Join a community that's trying to impact it with the love of Jesus for the common good and watch what will happen. So I can be fruitful and not overwhelmed when I engage in my specific task. Here's the other thing I see Paul writing back to the church. He says this, I can be fruitful and not overwhelmed when I, fill us in, acknowledge God does the hard work. When I acknowledge God does the hard work. Paul writes this, verse 6, he says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it. This is where we join this with the series, comma, but God has been making it grow. He goes on and he says, but only God is the one who makes things grow. Paul's reminding the church, it's not me that made the church grow. It it doesn't rest on my shoulders. God is the one who makes it grow. And he gives this word picture that sort of equates to a a plant. I planted a polished water, God makes it grow. It it made me think of this. This is the plant in my office. That's a pretty good plant. Every now and again, I remember to water it. If it looks a little sickly, I, I, I might put it near the window so it can get some sun. But just for clarity... 
I did not create and develop the DNA of that plant to make it grow. Do you realize the difference? I did not develop the intricacy of the plant that when it's put in the right conditions, God will blow on that and make it grow into something beautiful. He's the one who makes it grow. In Acts 17, it says this, God is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. I do not want to live a life where someone else's growth or my growth is completely dependent on me. I don't want to live a life that when I hear about a neighbor in need, that their growth, their restoration, their salvation, you name the issue, is completely dependent on me. I need to do my part, point one. But I want to live in such a way that I get out of God's way and I see the things that he's doing and I see him grow something, someone, heal, restore, save, deliver someone else. Did you... Do you realize that when we see God step into a situation and recover it, restore it, and save it, it's like the best thing ever. And it is not exhausting. When I was thinking about this, I I thought about a story. This was about 10 years ago that happened to me. I know I share a lot about the homeless ministry, uh, but this is, it just came to me when I was putting the message together. Uh, My wife and I were serving Uh, at a basement of a church in downtown South Bend. Homeless men, there's about 15 of them in the room. And uh, I'm sharing something from Scripture, just a simple message. And uh, as we're in the basement, I see my wife and another volunteer take a homeless man to the kitchen that's behind me. And the kitchen has one of those roll-up, roll-down windows, and it's up, so I can sort of see out of the corner of my eye what's going on. And what I see is I'm talking and sharing a message is my wife takes the guy to the sink and puts his head, it's a kitchen sink, big kitchen sink, puts his head under the water. I'm like, oh, and then I hear her praying. She's baptizing him. And so I I pause for a minute. I'm like, whoa, that's kind of cool. Don't know what's led up to that, but that's awesome. I'm still standing there, and a, a homeless guy pops up and steps up in front of me, and he goes, I know what you're doing back there. And I was like, oh. And he said, I want to be baptized too. I was like, whoa, the Lord's doing something. And so I stop in the moment. I have this quick conversation. I'm like, hey, do you know Jesus? Yeah, I know Jesus. Okay, let's pray. Let's. And we walk back and stick his head in the kitchen, kitchen sink, right? And we put the tab and baptize him and it's 10 years ago so we don't have great cameras but pull a phone out and we take this grainy picture and he's all excited and like we baptized two guys how exciting is that and then we go down the next night and the guy that I baptized punches one of the staff members the next night and I have to kick him out for the rest of the season how disappointing is that like, I, I, I did my part, right? I'm trying, to, I'm trying hard to share the gospel. We baptize him, and this guy punches someone, and I got to kick him out. It didn't work. That's what I thought. Let me share the rest of the story. Six months later, I'm working. I get a call on my cell phone. The guy on the other end of the cell phone clearly recognizes me 
because he's talking to me like he's my best friend. I don't recognize his voice. Don't make the connection. He's asking me questions. I'm trying to keep up. And he, uh, he says, Steve, I need my baptism certificate. I don't make the connection. So I'm thinking, did we do baptisms at church this last I don't remember those. So finally I had to say, listen, I'm so, I, I probably should know who you are, but I do not remember. Like, can you fill me in? He said, Steve, I'm Robert. I'm the guy that six months ago you baptized, and now I'm married. I work in kitchen services at Notre Dame, and I'm joining a church, and they need my baptism certificate. I said, dude, I baptized you in a kitchen sink. I don't have a certificate. But about five minutes later, I Googled generic baptism certificate. I took that old grainy photo and slapped it on there. I met him the next morning. He filled me in on a story, and it was a story of what God grew over six months. It's a beautiful story, and I didn't have to chase him. My interaction with Robert was about seven minutes. But God did something amazing. It's a reminder for me, Romans 12, 3, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. I am not all that. I am a part in a bigger machine where God steps in, and if I get out of the way, he will grow something beautiful. If we get back to the teaching text, Paul's writing, I'm just a part. God's the one who makes it grow. And he he, he says this in verse 6. I want to end with this. I planted the seed, I polished watered it, but God has been making it grow. Everybody say making it grow. He didn't write God made it grow, past tense. It's an active thing. It's as if God is saying, it's not done yet, I'm still working on it. I wonder how many times I overinflate my role, overinflate how often I think I should jump into something. And I wonder how many times the Lord was like, I'm trying to grow something. Can you, can you just get out of the way? See, I don't know about you, but I, I'm, imp- anybody else impatient? Yeah, several of you. I'm impatient, and if I'm not patient enough, I'll jump in and try to fix it. As a reminder, uh, in the in the book of Habakkuk, we don't talk about the book of Habakkuk a lot. It's a book in the Bible. Uh, it's a, he's a prophet, and the prophet is arguing with God. God, there's going to be an attack. It's going to be bad on us. You've got to fix it. He's arguing back and forth. And the Lord gives him a vision, says it's going to be okay. And then he says this. The Lord says, for still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. God's, you can fill us in. God's timeline is worth waiting for. This is not my notes. I shared it uh, at the earlier service. I didn't share it last night, but I think it could be important. I have chickens, uh, and so there's this thing called hen pecking. If you have a rooster, the rooster's trying to take care of the other chickens. But every now and again, the rooster has an overinflated view of himself, and so he will go and he'll overmanage the chickens. He'll henpeck them. 
just continue, like all the time, just pick, 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 pick. It drives the, the, the hens crazy. And I wonder if there's someone here today that you've been henpecking something. And the Lord might say to you, will you stop henpecking? It could be a relative, a friend, a son, a daughter, where you've tried to lead them to Christ. You've tried to fix them. You've tried to, and I wonder if the Lord's just saying, can you just wait? They know. Just wait and let me grow the thing. We would be a lot less overwhelmed if we did that. When I've let God's timeline play out, when I've done my role and watch God grow things, I've seen the most fruit in my life from God, and I have not been overwhelmed. It can be done. So I can be fruitful and not overwhelmed when I engage in my specific task and acknowledge God does the hard work. Why don't we move into a time of prayer? Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.